from the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. To Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid-court strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. And Magic Johnson is out there celebrating! Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe, from way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron, for three for the win, yes! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan. Yes! It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay, and with me this week, I've got a very special guest. He's a fellow sports business classroom alum. He's a former NBA Summer League intern. He's worked with Premium Hoops, and he also was one of the hosts of the great podcast Sense and Scalability that's on a bit of a hiatus at the moment, but uh, his name is Scott Levine. Scott, thanks so much for coming on. It's just like when a low post guest is like, wow, that was a very nice intro. Um, <laughs> Hey, it's that all, was it's a very nice intro. It's all facts. Yeah, yeah, it was nice though. Thank you. Uh, this is my first time on the podcast, not doing either our top thirty player podcast or a Celtics um, podcast. I definitely am not interested in doing the latter at the moment. So, uh, looking forward to it. Yeah. So we have we've sort of been discussing doing this subject or talking about this for for quite some time. Uh, the two of us obviously are, are both big basketball and NBA fans. And then we also happen to like a, uh, a similar video game, a game called Hades, a game that I've put uh, way, way more time into than I probably should have at this stage. But uh, Hades is, is really fun. And Scott approached me basically saying, hey, we should break down and maybe compare Hades and the sport of basketball and and. So I said, you know, why not? And we finally uh, have come together to do it. And again, I can't think of anybody better to uh, to talk about and and do something like this than you, Scott, because if anyone has has not read his article, which basically compared Pascal Siakam to the Tony Hawk series, uh, it's it's one of the best pieces I've ever read. And uh, it's a it was a fantastic sort of uh, um, comparison and uh, an interesting way to analyze different genres of the entertainment medium i'm really that was a great poll i'm really glad you referenced that article that is now about two years old yeah this is kind of my thing it's not everyone's thing i remember one of those sb nation rafters hq comments was um weirdo (laughs) just one word (laughs) when i wrote that article uh so yeah I, i fully admit that i am can be interpreted as a weirdo, but we're going to compare basketball to video games today. Yeah. So should we, should we break down what Hades is for people that are not familiar with it? Or should we basically say anyone that hasn't played Hades, you can just kind of, you know, fuck off right now and not stop listening. Or you can say, you can say, uh, we should, you should go play it and pause this and, and, and sink about uh, 50 hours into it minimum and then come back. Uh, No, I mean, Without trying to spoil too much about the game, 
Uh, I'm going to start using some terms that if you know games, you understand. And if you don't, you don't. But it, you don't under, if you don't play games, then maybe you're not interested in this podcast anyway. Anyway, here it goes. Um, Hades is a roguelike from Supergiant. Roguelike means that you kind of just progress through usually procedurally generated uh, rooms. And, uh, you know, when you die in the game, you have to start from the beginning. Uh, there's kind of wrinkles that Hades throws in that makes it, that kind of spices up that formula. Um, but that's kind of the general theme of how the game works. Uh, when you get certain places, you get rewards, which they call boons, um, because you are Zagreus. That's the plot. Uh, you are Hades' son trying to break out of hell. Um, and so the Olympians give you boons uh, because they think you are getting out of hell to join them. Uh, you know, I won't worry too much about the re real reason you are because uh, minimal spoilers. But yeah, you're trying to get out of hell and you can get help from, you know, Zeus, Aphrodite, Poseidon, Athena, uh, Ares. Yeah, there's a couple others too, uh, Artemis. Um, and, you know, they'll upgrade your attack or upgrade your second attack or upgrade what's called a cast, which is your basically your third attack. Um, upgrade your dash ability, uh, make you give, give you more health, give you better, uh, you know, whatever they do. There's a lot of different things they can do. Um, it's kind of random which ones you're going to get, which gods are going to visit you. Uh, so you can kind of control and craft what build you want to do but there is an element of randomness to it where you're kind of given whatever that reward is in that room and usually that's your only option but you do have a choice between like two or three uh options within that god but anyway i think i've done an okay job explaining it you can always look at the uh you know some uh online reviews if you're really trying to really figure out what the game's about but that's that's what i'll i'll, I'll give you that stuff um, to start, really good art style too. Uh, just good, good, good character design, um, good writing. Uh, really can't say enough about the game. I know uh, we could probably just spend this whole podcast talking about how good it is, but we'll kind of delve a little deeper than that. Yeah, and uh, one of my one of my good friends who I've talked about this game with plenty of times. Uh, he he also described it as part Greek mythology dating sim. Uh, there's there's some of that in there as well. Yep. It is, a, it is a fascinating game. As you mentioned, the fact that it's a roguelike, it makes it so that, yes, it's, um, it's a game where you're, you're kind of doing a lot of the same things over and over again. And that can, to some people, they, they might find that repetitive or boring. But to me, it's almost made it more kind of like a comfort food for a video game. And, you know, when, again, relating this to basketball, it's become similar in that way for me, where if I've got you know, 40 minutes to an hour, I could either say, Hey, you know, I, I, I got to kill some time. I can either throw on, you know, Boston versus New York, or I can just do a run of Hades. Yeah. I'll kind of get started on where the basketball parallels come for me. Yeah. Because it's, it's like a specific thing that might not seem obvious to a lot of people and it might not be how they approach basketball. But part of the reason I actually really, started to love basketball was just through playing video games, right? Um, first it was NBA street volume two. Uh, then it was NBA two K five and around, you know, that time I discovered, which would be, I would have a huge love affair with it for the rest of my life. And that was 
association mode, uh, specifically doing fantasy drafts. Yes. Within that. Yes. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love that as well. And like, it, I, would, I would even get, get my notes out and write down when the computer would draft certain players so I could maximize like when I take them and, and all of that. Yep. I did that for 2K5. I did that. I, I kind of took a few years off from 2K and then I got did it for 2K9. Uh, didn't have 2K10. Did it 11. 11 was a great game. 12, 13. I still, I didn't really uh, evolve out of the Xbox 360 PS3 era for consoles. Um, and so I, I mostly just stuck with 2K13. And at this point, you know, now that I have like a computer to play 2K, I'm not as interested in the recent games. Well, I think uh, like, honestly, I think that 2K11 through 13 range is kind of when the series peaked with like the, they had the Michael Jordan classic mode and stuff. It, yeah, I'd it agree. It hasn't been nearly as good since then. I just, I feel like the gameplay felt like really new and fresh then. And since it's kind of, you know, not been changed too much since then, I mean, obviously the graphics look better. Uh, it feels kind of stale nowadays. It just, whatever, whatever magic you know, the new 2K had uh, 10 years ago. It's just not really like that anymore. Um, so that's, you know, I would uh, do the same thing as you where I'm like, oh, I know that, you know, uh, let's say Carmelo Anthony is going to go seventh. So I can get Russell Westbrook here if I want, or I can, you know, and this is a time where you did want to take Russell Westbrook in the top 10 of a fantasy draft. Um <laughs> Yeah, so that has always kind of been my approach to... I mean, I think how I approach basketball is somewhat molded by that, just playing that all these years of like, how can you best optimize this player, this roster, etc.? What skill sets work well with this player? What skill sets are kind of neutral? What skill sets uh, conflict with this? Like, I know sometimes we get into the trap where we reduce players to their idea and we think oh it's just you know this works with them this doesn't and then it'll be someone like jeremy grant on the pistons where it's like oh no he can actually kind of like dribble a little bit you know unlike unlike in video games players are a lot you know they're human they uh, grow they evolve in unpredictable ways so that's been something that i've realized in the last couple years it's like you know it's not like video games where you just put players in a box and they have like a set potential uh, but that is kind of for a while how I approached how to like think about basketball. You know, I was very into like all the podcasts that talked about like trades and mock off seasons and whatnot. And uh, that's kind of what led me to sports business classroom and eventually on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, speaking beyond just like in a, in a NBA 2K like dynasty draft, where you're picking players with skill sets to try to mix and match and, and get a team that has, you know, some cohesion. It's also about, especially since I would typically simulate multiple seasons, even like decades at times, it's about also selecting players that, um, and, and balancing between youth and potential and current quality. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like if you if you load up to on one too much, then you'll just have like a situation where like five players like Dion Waiters, who is a ninety nine overall in this situation, Harrison Barnes, who's a ninety five, uh, Beal, Anthony Davis, and uh, you know 
some other rookie who from that game who they'll all need a max contract at the same time and you won't be able to pay all them so it's all about like how do you you know really accentuate one or two three maybe stars um and yeah sometimes to accentuate them you want to go with some older uh players who you know are uh, their their shot is maxed out for their you know play type and they're going to be a little bit more reliable right yeah um you know, it's, it's funny. Cause yeah, that was, I, I spent a good deal of time playing through those dynasty modes and yet I rarely ever actually played the game. <laughs> um, right. It was mostly just simulating, drafting, uh, making, yeah, making trades, yeah. Doing more of the GM side of things. Whereas with a game like Hades, it's, it's something where I play it because the gameplay is so excellent. Yeah. This is gets me perfectly to my next point is, I realized that this kind of like puzzling and like, you know, putting things together and players in this situation, this isn't just limited to basketball. This isn't just limited to basketball video games. Um, I, I, I mean, I've kind of hated, I, 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 a lot of people have realized this before me, like, you know, deck building games such as, you know, Magic the Gathering and whatnot, like really focus hard on like what cards are synergenic with one another. Um, but I was always more of a sports guy. So Hades was kind of my intro into like this world of games where you're trying to do the same thing. You're trying to figure out what synergies work for you, uh, which ones are not going to be as effective, uh, what what powers or what players are not that effective in a vacuum. But then if you you know surround them with this skill uh, from this Olympian, then all of a sudden it's very effective. Uh, you know, for example, let's use a Hades example right now where it's like. Let's say you get, you know, the Zeus spoon, uh, storm lightning. Um, and what that is, is it attacks like, so basically what that means is every time you have a attack that emits lightning, it emits twice as much lightning. And then there is a boon. I don't know the name off the top of my head, but it makes it so that any enemy with lightning becomes jolted, which means they just stay electrocuted for a little bit longer. Static discharge. Static discharge. Thank yeah. you, Garrett. Yeah. Uh, so if you if you already have a boon that spreads the lightning out between more enemies, and then you have static discharge, that's kind of like you know if you have Darius Garland, uh, who can score at all three levels, but may not be the biggest finisher inside. You add Jared Allen's rim pressure rolling to the rim. Those are two things that are effective by themselves, but you can see a very clear way that they amplify one another. So those are the things I look for when I'm watching basketball. And, uh, you know, that's just one example of how you can kind of model your build so that all of your little powers are working in consort. Yeah. And again, to speak to the, to the game itself, right. You, you have the ability to get numerous boons, which, yeah, can help your attack, your special, your cast, as you referenced earlier, your dash, your um, god call, and then, you know, other ones aside from that. But, uh, yeah, speaking of, like, building a team, you do that with the Olympians as well, where, like, yeah, if you combine Zeus and Poseidon, that can sometimes be a pretty effective package because Poseidon a lot of his boon effects are to knock the opponents away 
And then with Zeus, you can just rain lightning down on them. Yeah. You can keep your distance while also, you know, provi- producing a lot of damage. Um, speaking of your, I love the, uh, <laughs> I love the Darius Garland, Jared Allen comparison. I had one for you, Scott, that uh, I think you might like. And we should also mention that not only can you like pick out, you know, say you want Zeus's attack and special and you want Poseidon's dash and cast. But then once you start doing that, you have the opportunity. The game will occasionally gift you some duo boons, which are boons specifically designed for those two Olympians to meld their abilities. So this one I thought was a it was a fun duo boon that basically, I think, describes Steph Curry and Draymond Green. Are you ready? Hey, can I guess which one it is? Uh, yeah, go for it. Um, Heartrend? It's not. Although I do okay. like that one. But the, the one I had in mind was the uh, Crystal Clarity. Okay, which one's that again? And I can explain what heart, Heartrend is after that. Yeah, so Crystal Clarity is where you start by getting um, Demeter's cast, which essentially is a crystal beam that just shoots a beam straight out in front of you. And it does pretty good damage. And that on its own is one of my favorite casts in the game. But then also, if you're getting boons from Artemis, who is specifically a lot of her boons have like homing abilities. Uh, So Crystal Clarity is the two of those combined where you get the cast of Demeter, but then it has the homing ability. So it tracks the enemies and moves around and finds them and also deals more damage. So I think of Steph Curry in his own right as the um, Demeter's cast. And then Draymond Green with his passing, screen setting, opening step up even more is like the tracking, homing ability and just amplifying all of those skills. That's a good one. And the other thing before I get into this next point, I'll just say that Heartrend is a duo boon between Aphrodite and Artemis. Basically, Aphrodite's boons give the enemy something called weak, a lot of them, which means they're less strong. (laughs) <laughs> maybe the most obvious sentence on the podcast. Yeah, they do like, uh, I think like 30% less damage yeah. or something, at least initially. And then, uh, so the boon makes it so that there, any critical damage you get from the Artemis boon, as Garrett says, one of Artemis's boons things is homing. The other one is applying more critical damage, uh, which means, you know, just a higher, more damaging attack. Uh, And any damage you get from critical damage is more if the opponent is also inflicted with weak. So that's what I thought of was with with, uh, Steph and uh, Draymond is, you know, they just, Draymond kind of just like wears him down slowly and Steph goes in for the critical kill. Uh, But what also is nice is there are some boons that have pros and cons. So like there will be one called Flurry Jab, which is a spear upgrade. And it makes it so your attack is a lot faster, but it makes it so you can't use your spin attack, which I don't really like the spin attack, but if you like the spin attack, that's kind of a bummer. Um, And so uh, how you can get around that is, uh, let's say, just like making your not spin attack a lot better because that's the one you have left. You know, you're kind of aiding, you're kind of aiding your deficiency by just focusing on what you can do. Uh, someone I think of is maybe DeMontis Sabonis, where it's like they have Miles Turner in there to help protect the rim and space the floor for him. 
and they just kind of they kind of buckle down on whatever he can do best they you know not as much with Carlisle but they use him as an offensive hub they get the most out of him because they understand that defensively he's going to have his shortcomings so I think that term is called like min-maxing but you see it with like James Harden you know uh just getting as much contribution out of him uh you see it with Sabonis uh you see it with someone like Jordan Clarkson, who maybe be a defensive liability, so they just get as much offense as they can out of him. Um, I, I, I just, uh, a lot of how you would construct and manage an NBA rotation, um, you'll use those parts of your brain when you play Hades. Yeah, and I think one of the, the other interesting elements, and, and I don't know how you feel about uh, or what weapons you prefer, but I typically like to play with, more of the ranged weapons like my favorite weapon is the bow i also like the spear and i also like the the gun as well the gun is called exagriff the bow is coronat and the spear is called varatha but all of them are basically ranged attacks so that you can keep your distance from the enemies and then that allows me to be able to play a little bit more defensively so so basically if if my if my Hades strategy was compared to an NBA team, it would be just being a really good shooting team and really solid on the defensive end. I would compare myself to probably uh, the Cavs. Um, I just really, kind of really go in strong with the, defensively. I just try to go in with aspect of Arthur of the sword, which is just like this big broadsword, and you just swing around you know you have a lot of size uh to your weapon and you just kind of swing around violently um it gives you that that uh, weapon uh, or that weapon choice also gives you an, like 50 plus health yeah and, exactly yeah the, so you got a lot of you got a lot of you know you got a lot of uh fortitude much like with alan and evan mobley you know you got a lot of protection and uh you just can kind of overwhelm the other people with strength sometimes yeah and every time you swing that swing that sword it creates an aura like a circular area where you take less damage if you're standing within it and then also if if projectiles come at you they also get much slower once they go into that aura so yeah you could almost describe the the, that uh, that weapon being like the calves is that aura being in the paint where everything is just slows down and actually <laughs> just swallow up everything. Yep. And then I haven't even gotten to another aspect of Hades game design. Um, that's not so much about what boons you choose. And by the way, what I also like, like I said, you don't really get to choose what Olympians you run into and what boons they'll offer you. So it's kind of like NBA roster construction where it's like, yes, you'd love to like, get oh you'd love to get the next lebron but you're probably not going to have that as an option so it's like how do we best assemble a roster with the tools we have like you look at how uh ak and mark eversley took over the bulls uh you know they didn't have all the boons in the world to choose from they were like okay we'll move wendell carter we'll sign and trade for lonzo we'll get DeRozan, and they just found synergies that made that a pretty good team uh, I, I think that's kind of how, you know, emblematic of how your run goes in Hades. You just do the best with what's handed to you uh, and try to work it, make it all work together. But another aspect of it is how the game is designed where they don't want you to 
Well, they don't want you to become... They want you to be a jack-of-all-trades because there is a lot of different enemy types they throw at you. And I think the best example of this is the last level, sticks, the river sticks. You have to cross the river sticks to get out of hell. Um, it ends with you fighting your dad, uh, Hades, uh, to get out of hell. Um, and before that, you have to find this sack of satyrs, which are like, I guess we can just... It's dog food for the three-headed dog Cerebrus who guards the gate to out of hell. Uh, they have to pass, so you have to like give him the dog food so he lets you go through. Uh, and these are... The sack is in one of five chambers, and a lot of these have like low HP enemies, but there's a lot of them. So if you right. have a build that is all about just killing Hades, you're, you might not just do, and it's not about like doing a lot of damage to a lot of different enemies, uh, you're going to have a really hard time in these chambers. Uh, whereas if you, you know, make your build so that it's all about doing a lot of damage to a lot of enemies and you can't really, you don't really have a way to like consistently get chunk damage off of Hades, uh, then you're not going to beat him. So, uh, it's kind of like you need to have a little bit of flexibility. You need to be able to pivot, uh, but also have a go-to style that can get you there in the first place. Yeah. And I, I just came up with this as you were talking, but, uh, essentially you, you have to build up three different things throughout your run. Like one being your health, which I would almost describe in, in, in MBA terms as like your depth of your roster. How much margin for error you have. Yeah. And then you also have to build up, um, you know, your coins to be able to, uh, to, to buy more things. So that could be like your coaching staff, your, your front office to improve your roster. And then also your boons themselves are kind of like your star power. Yeah. That's a very good point. Uh, what I thought of was like, um, I think of kind of the first part of sticks as the regular season and fighting Hades as the playoffs. So you look at some teams, they're really good at, you know, dealing with lowly regular season foes, but it becomes a question of what they go to in the playoffs. Whereas some teams might be really built for the playoffs, but they can't get out of their own way and can't even get to there in the first place. I think the best example of this is how the Blazers' defense has evolved over the years. Um, so I think that the Blazers' defense was competent, you know, back when they had Aldridge and even like early on with Nurkic, just because they were playing drop defense, it wasn't good, but it was it wasn't embarrassingly bad. Or yeah, that that what was it, the fourteen fifteen team with Robin Lopez yeah. and Wes Matthews, Nick Batum. Yeah, and even after that, you know, they had. Uh, they were better than they are now. And I think that's because they just had Enos Cantor and, Yo and, and Nurkic, I almost said Jokic, uh, drop, you know, and that cost them when Nurkic went down and they had to, you know, drop Enos Cantor. It got them to the, it got them to the Western Conference Finals. So they got to the battle with Hades. Um, but then uh, to bring back your Steph Draymond analogy, you know, the drop didn't work against the Warriors. Um but now they're in a situation where they're trying to like master a scrambling defense. They're trying to build their team in a way to kill Hades so that they can not give up open threes. But what's happening now is they're having trouble against, you know, 
the earlier rooms, like the Seder rooms, like the chambers leading up to Hades, because they don't even have a plan for those smaller enemies. Uh, they'll just kind of scramble and hedge and eventually just get out of rotation and uh, someone will score on the other team. And that's why they've been bottom five defense this year and last, because that's, especially this year, the strategy they're going to. Uh, so it's almost like you can build up your, like I said, you can build up your run to focus solely on Hades, but if you can't deal the swaths of enemies at the same time in the path there, then you're not even going to get to that battle. Right. It's it's all about, yeah, having that combination of offensive and offense and defensive boons to, to help you there. And yeah, the Blazers essentially... They have not. Uh, they have not gotten any boons from Athena because she is the yeah. defensive. <laughs> the defense. Yeah, you know they they they're not able to deal with the earlier levels. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, well, and, and I, I think uh, another interesting sort of NBA to Hades comparison is also, and um, you know, once you've we we mentioned that it's a roguelite, so you go through until you beat it, but then like just beating it one time is not really getting the full experience of the game. You go back and beat it multiple times. And then as you continue, you can, uh, the game tries to make it more and more difficult by giving you something called heat. Uh, and once you build up a certain amount of heat, uh, you can actually play Hades on what's called hard mode Hades, where basically Hades, the final fight with your dad, instead of him having two life bars, it becomes three life bars and going from regular mode Hades to hard mode Hades is almost like the difference between making the playoffs or winning a round or two and then getting into the conference finals and the NBA finals where things really get intense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, if you are like, all right, I know exactly what builds they're going to take to kill Hades. You might not even get there if you don't focus on other stuff too. Yeah. Um, like we saw a bunch of teams like focused on gearing on how to stop the Warriors and uh, with varying success because uh, other teams could take advantage of them in other ways. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, I, think, I think I've think i kind of uh, said most of my how I connect Hades and the NBA, at least in my brain, and it's kind of led me to other... Like I've just started playing Slay the Spire, which is like a roguelike card game with turn-based combat and it also kind of has these like things of like okay but what does this power do in this context because that's always the thing i struggle with is like ranking players and that's kind of antithetical to our top 30 uh podcast is like you know they're always going to be in a context they're always going to be either amplified or muted by their context and so i don't know like that's how I feel. I mean, there's some boons that are just in this game that are just standalone good, like the stars in the NBA. But look at someone like Otto Porter or, uh, you know, who's another guy? Like guys who like look like they were kind of at their last point of their career and just had renaissances. Eric Bledsoe on the Clippers. The Elitza for the Warriors as the well. Elitza, all you, in, uh, Warrior, Warrior X this year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Andre you know, got, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's so many things like that, where it's like this boon, this power might not be that useful unless it's in this context. Well, and another, another duo boon that I think is interesting. And again, like speaking of roster construction and getting players that complement each other, I talked about that duo boon between Demeter and Artemis, where the, the crystal clarity one, 
But then there's another boon specifically with Demeter's cast that's called Cold Embrace, which is a Demeter-Aphrodite combination. And that one specifically shoots the, the crystal beam directly at you and you, you don't get hurt by it. But essentially, you have to maneuver and get yourself in the path of where the enemies are. But it's not good for me because typically, again, I like to keep my range away from the enemies. And that kind of forces you to get right up next to them to, to cause damage. And I would but almost, that would be good for me with my uh, sword playthrough or my fist playthrough. Exactly. But but yeah. yeah, it all it all depends. Like I would almost describe for me the idea of having that duo boon. It's it's like the blaze. Speaking of the the Portland Trailblazers, who you brought up earlier, it was like them adding Evan Turner to the combination of C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard, and thinking or, that would work. When in reality it took away a lot of what those guys do well because of his lack of space. Or or maybe like, you know, to stick with the Warriors when they added Kelly Oubre last year. Yeah. And he, he, it didn't quite work with the ecosystem that they were trying to establish and have this year. Yeah, like the yeah, the lack of passing or whatever. But I was even I was even trying to come up with Scott like some some ways to say like, okay, what does the what is the dash an equivalent to? And I was thinking maybe that's like the equivalent of ball handling and dribbling because like if you have Poseidon's, it knocks them back. It's almost like Giannis going in and Euro stepping around people and just bumping off bodies to get to the rim, no matter the cost. Yeah. And then divine dash is like having Kyrie where you can just kind of dance around and know the ball will be secure. Even if it feels like it's not because you <laughs> yeah. have the shield around you with that's Athena's dash where you're as Garrett alluded to uh, Athena is the kind of the defense god a lot of ways. So a lot of her boons have to do with shielding you. And when you dash with that one, uh, it creates a shield. It was one of my favorites as I was learning the game. Uh, still is, but I don't think I beat the game without using Divine Dash like in the first 50 hours or so just because it was so helpful just to dash around and not get hit when I did it. Right, because you had to flex everything and, uh, yeah, creates a complete circle around you every time you move. Um, so, yeah, the uh, Athena boons, honestly, and it's funny because, you know, we normally talk about with NBA championship rosters that you need to have an elite offense and an elite defense. But with Athena, like if you get all just all of her boons, if you really prioritize her and just get nothing but her your defense is just so dominant that sometimes it doesn't even matter that your offense is kind of mediocre yeah yeah uh it's it's all questions you have to ask yourself you know trade-offs um the opportunity cost of choosing each boon is a big one it's like uh opportunity cost is like something you always have to consider in the nba because you're you know anytime you're signing or trading for one player it's you miss the opportunity to maybe do another one um or especially with the draft so uh yeah i mean even though they're all good things you're kind of like oh but i don't want to pick the wrong one because i know that that could cost my run now we we haven't gotten around to uh companions which is another thing another element of the game oh i don't know how to tie that in but we can talk about <laughs> I, them I actually, I actually have a way to tie this in. Um, so you basically, once you get a companion, and my favorite companion is the companion rib, which is Scully's companion. Oh, really? And, I like the, I like companion more just because it does a ton of damage. 
Yeah. And so I like tons of damage. Scully is more of a defensive companion because he just shows up with 250 health and distracts all the enemies and they go to attack him until he dies. And you can then attack the enemies as they're doing that. Um, but, uh, you know, as you play the game, you, you get like gems and coins and different things to help your build up your abilities. And once you've maximized your companion, you can use it up to five times. And I almost feel like the companion is the, uh, is the NBA head coach where about five times a game, a coach can call a timeout run and out uh, an after timeout play to give you a little boost when, just when you need it. Wow, this works better than I even expected. <laughs> well, and um, here, here's another one. I'm just going to throw so many at you and see and see how. Can you we read. just call this podcast Hades is NBA roster construction? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I still haven't. Uh, yeah, we still need to workshop a title for this episode. So feel free oh. to throw some more ideas out. Um, but uh, you know the other the other thing that shows up on on certain runs is the assistance of different people including patroclus which is the romantic interest of i'm blanking on his name um uh achilles yeah the romantic interest of achilles and then you've got sisyphus who is the guy that pushes up the boulder up the, up the hill uh, over and over again for eternity and then you've got eurydice uh, and also Thanatos, and in each run, you have no idea if they're actually going to show up, right? And you, you don't know if you're going to get the benefit of one, two, three, four, or zero of them. And by the run. way, Patrick Lus, who are, comes up in the third stage, just so people know, is like the best feeling because he'll basically, he, he's a run saver, but go ahead. Yeah. You, you basically have a certain amount of lives and he basically can restore all of your lives, <laughs> uh, which is ridiculous. Extremely helpful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I almost view them as, in essence, like the home court advantage in a, in okay. a playoff series where you don't know if it's going to show up, but occasionally that crowd can make an impact and make a difference and give you that boost that you need. Okay. Well, you really... See, I just had a couple, like two or three points I wanted to fire off over and over again, but you really fleshed out this comparison. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I did my best. Most of my notes are just related to uh, just the the various verbiage of Hades, which there's a lot there's a lot to keep up with. So it's hard to keep that all in the head, even though, again, I've put in over 300 hours to this yeah, game. Yeah, I think the takeaway is I want people to play this game because it's one of my favorite games ever made. Uh, and so if we can go on a basketball podcast and relate it to Hades, then perhaps people will be compelled to play this game because, uh, I've told a lot of people to play it in other ways. So trying this one now. Yeah, I, I feel very similarly. I think it honestly might be my number one game of all time. That's how, that's how good it's it up is. there. It's, it's, it's like the only recent game that I like consider as part of like when people are like, Oh, what's your like favorite five games? Like. A lot of them are like based on nostalgia. To be honest, I'm, I still play Roller Coaster Tycoon. Um, I always played Tony Hawk growing up, as you can tell from my Pascal Siakam article. Uh, you know, Guitar Hero, Rock Band, etc. were big ones. Um, really liked the the Rockstar's 2006 game Bully. Uh, I'm hoping they make a sequel soon. Uh, it's 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 rumored right now. 
Um, it just kind of took the rock star formula and put it in a boarding school. And I thought that was perfect. Um, where you, instead of guns, you have like slingshots and like bags of marbles you can throw at people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like that's that they made that game for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but Hades is like on that short list and all those games are like, you know, at least 10 years old. And here's Hades. Yeah, I mean, the 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 biggest compliment I can give it is I'm, you know, I, I, I play a decent amount of games. I'm not like a hardcore gamer, but I probably play more, more than the average person for sure. And, uh, you know, for for the most part, like I, I either don't get to the credits at all or I get to the credits and then I never pick the game up again. Uh, but with Hades, it's so good in terms of, yeah, you mentioned the characters, the dialogue, the the storylines even beyond the gameplay are so great. And then there's so many uh, different variations of different uh, play types that you can play. Again, there's keepsakes, there's companions, there's boons. You can mix it up. And so each run, there's no one run that is the same. So it has become this thing where I've really wanted to 100% it. I haven't gotten there yet, even though I've played a ton, but it's one of those games, one of the rare games that has made me actively want to continue playing, even though there's technically no no reason to continue, but I just do. And I think I mentioned this earlier, but one part of it that like gets my mental juices flowing is the fact that whenever you run into an Olympian's boon, you get like three options. So even though it's kind of like there's a guide rail to your choices, you still feel like you're making an informed decision on which boon will help your character the best. So it's like not to the point where it feels overwhelming and you only have to make one decision as at a time. Um, but you really take ownership and authority over that decision in a way that like really marries the flexibility and rigidity of a really nice and natural way to build your run. Well, and, and beyond just the being able to select the different boons, the boons have different rarities. So it's like regular, yeah. then you have rare and you have epic, heroic, and then even yeah. legendary. So there's even like you can have a run where you get the boons you want, but they might not be the rarity that you want. So then and you want to try it again and get it, you know, basically max out the stats. And also you have like the option, like you can see a preview of what reward is in that room. So you can say, oh, this is another boon, or this will upgrade a current boon I have, which one is more valuable to me. So even though you're kind of limited to what the game gives you, you still get a choice every few seconds um, in a way that still doesn't feel like you're making too many choices. Well, Scott, I, yeah, I think we uh, we took this conversation to the to the limit. I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate you also uh, being being kind in terms of me being suffering from a little bit of basketball burnout at the moment and being willing to talk uh, about something that you know obviously still has to do with basketball. But how, how about the Grizzlies, though? <laughs> yeah, they're uh, they're playing pretty good basketball, though. I, yeah, can't say that I've watched a ton as of no, me neither. Can I tell you a fake trade that I thought of the other day? Absolutely. All right, so Grizzlies are a little better than I thought they'd be. Maybe it's time to offload some of those prospects for, you know, another major rotation piece. So kind of get like a big three with uh, 
assuming yeah John not Murray even a big three Jackson just like aren't going to be a part of this trade <laughs> uh they're they're not and they're not and uh honestly maybe not like the third of a big three but just like this there's a lot of reasons for them not to do this but from a current grizzly standpoint it would be the most fun thing ever okay so it involves three teams it involves the pistons the jazz and the grizzlies Pistons. This this started in, with I was listening to the Dunker Spot, and they were thinking of Jeremy Grant trade destinations, and they were like, uh, "Okay, yeah, we could see Jeremy Grant going to the Jazz, you know, but would the Pistons want Bogdanovich?" Uh, and my answer to that listening was no. But what if you moved Boyan to the Grizzlies? Okay. And, and sent back to the Pistons, like, you know, I I don't know if. Slow mo is it right now for them. He's kind of been off the bench a little bit more. Uh, I think Bain is kind of taking over that secondary creator role. So slow mo, and then like Zaire Williams, I know they like him, but it's the price of doing business. If Clark, if people, if people are still branding Clark guys, I think he could be a good fit on the Pistons. Um, it's like players like that, maybe Jazz throwing a pick to Pistons as well. But yeah, basically Jazz get a point of attack defender and Grizzlies like get a lineup with like Ja, you know, Ja, Brooks, Bain, or you can do Melton if you're a Melton guy instead of Brooks, Bain, uh, Boyan, and, you know, Jaron. Maybe that's not good defensively, but just that could blow the doors off people offensively. You could sub in Boyan for Steven Adams, move Jaron to the four. Uh, I just think it would give him like another guy who would just be... Anyway, I just thought of that yesterday, and I'm just really excited to talk about it. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, <laughs> that's all I, I got. At least for two of the three teams, I don't know if they would pull the trigger. Uh, I think for, for Utah, um, I mean, I understand that probably the, the mindset that you, you have for that is they're not good enough defensively to compete. Yeah, maybe I'm level. focused too much on the Hades fight, you know, for, for uh, Utah. I'm focused <laughs> too much on uh, playing Phoenix and, like, who defends at the point of attack yeah, or the Clippers. but, like, I, I, I debate how much better Jeremy Grant is than Boyan when you factor, and I think Boyan is a better offensive player. Oh, by far, Grant. yeah. So maybe maybe they get worse at the lower levels before the Hades fight to get a little bit better at the Hades fight in this case. Yeah, um, and uh, for Memphis, I guess it would just be more of a timeline thing, putting yeah. tips to go for Boyan when he doesn't fit sort of the age range of their stars. Like I said, it's just to see that team more yeah. than it is. I don't know if I would do it as them. Uh, I think you need to like keep some young guys in hopes that like uh, someone like Zaire Williams becomes that third guy uh and I, I you know even if they are exceeding expectations this is not like a put all the chips on the table team in my opinion it's not the los angeles rams um so i understand that i just i just would love like another lights out shooter on that team along with bane how about this for an idea i'll i'll propose this to the celtics fan uh is there a is there a deal that could be made for Jalen Brown to to the Grizzlies, because I think he's uh, a great fit there. He would be, he would be, but I don't think they're gonna want to give the Celtics what I want the Celtics to get. You know, I don't think those two guys are touchable, and 
I don't know if Desmond Bain is at the point where he's doing a whole lot different. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I would assume they would throw in Zaire into that package because, like, again, you're hoping Zaire becomes a player like Jalen Brown. Yeah, um, that's and- like uh, that's like the uh, the Family Guy thing where it's like Jalen Brown's Jalen Brown, but Zaire Williams could be anything. He could even <laughs> be Jalen Brown. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, for the Celtics, our biggest thing is just getting a rim pressure guy. I, I you know. If I'm doing my fake Celtics trades, they all involve Fox or DeJounte Murray. Um, and obviously, Jai is one, another one of those guys, but I don't think they would take him for Tatum, let alone Jalen Brown. So Right. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah maybe yeah, may we could... Uh, I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to think about that. Maybe I could concoct a three-teamer with the, the Celtics, yeah. Kings, and, and Grizzlies and see if we could figure something yeah, out. But... Leave it in the replies. Uh, some. <laughs> Yeah, trade machine content to end the Hades pod. All right, well, Scott, again, can't thank you enough for coming on. This has been a blast, and yeah, I'm, I'm sure at some point this season, uh, hopefully, it'll be a little bit uh, better outlook when we discuss the Celtics. But I'm sure we'll do that at some point here soon. That's awesome. Thanks for listening to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. Corbin Ford and Gary Bouguet here with you. And uh, just wanted to, to quickly say before we wrap up, uh, please subscribe, rate, and review Duncan Dynasty. We're on, uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Spotify, wherever you get your, uh, your podcast. That is uh, much appreciated. You can find me on uh, Twitter at Garrett Bouguet. Corbin, why don't you tell the people what you got going on? Oh, man, you can find me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Uh, definitely make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. I mean, follow me is just an afterthought here. But if you want some more NBA content from yours truly, uh, check out Round Ball Ramble. Um, it is my podcast. You can also find uh, the description uh, on my Twitter handle, on my, once you click on my Twitter handle. Uh, definitely check that out. And, uh, yeah, a bunch of other um, assorted pods. I love talking hoops just like my friend Gary does. So you know where to find me there. That's the main part to catch my work. Yeah, can't recommend Round Ball Ramble enough. Corbin does goes, does great stuff there, and I've appeared on it numerous times and uh, <laughs> hopefully will be uh, continuing to appear on it in the future. Again, we appreciate you all for listening and, of course, enjoy the next week in the NBA calendar.